This is a Strategist, episode 817. My name is Zane Velji. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter. Guys, what's going on? How about those Raptors? Yes! What was your uh, basketball prediction yesterday? I want to make sure to bet against it heavily. I, I, yeah. Pre- you know, I, I, don't, I don't remember. I've never made a prediction. I've oh, never okay. actually okay. predicted anything. Your prediction about the finance minister yesterday? I just, I can't remember. I'm hoping maybe you can. I don't remember. Uh, I don't believe I actually, I think I said I didn't know. Um, because it's better to look like you have no clue than appear to be an ass, you know, in, in, in retrospect. Well, we'll just run the clip. Carter, same question to you. By the time we record next Sunday is is, uh, Bill Morneau, I should say, still our finance minister. Absolutely. And that's what brings us here, Carter. God damn it. (laughs) We just recorded yesterday. And now this emergency podcast needs to happen because we should have bet against you. We should have prepared for this. Corey, why didn't we prepare for this was my biggest question. We knew he was going to be wrong. We did nothing. Corey was, Corey was also wrong. And, and we were betting whether or not he would be there for a week. I'm only six days off. I'm only six days off, and you guys are all <laughs> over me. All over me. So, you know, it's. Uh, I'm glad we got the gang together again. Back-to-back nights. You know, there's, yeah, there's yeah. other ways that you could uh, propose to hang out with us. And while we would reject them all, I think we would appreciate <laughs> the creativity not yeah, we'd appreciate to... the effort, the courting effort that would be required. Uh, Let's move it on to our first and only segment. My greatest weakness is that I care too much. Guys, let's talk about Bill Morneau, uh, and, and let's talk about the fact that he is no longer, well, he technically is the finance minister until Justin Trudeau finds a new one, but today he is resigned as being the finance minister, resigning as the MP for Toronto Centre. Uh, before we get into the words of what he said, Corey, I want to talk about what we kind of saw in the in the lead up to him resigning officially, which was a hastily organized press conference uh, where the opposition members usually give their press conferences. They were running around trying to, you know, find enough flags to create some sense of a semblance of a backdrop. What does that kind of tell you? Give me your sense from, you know, this hastily organized press conference on the day he was meeting with the prime minister. Give me a sense of if you're reading any of those tea leaves for, for any insight. Well, I, I just don't know enough about the booking of their various media rooms over in uh, on Parliament Hill. But I, I don't. So the, the media was pretty seized with this as we were all trying to figure out why Morneau was calling a press conference at 7 p.m. And then it came out that he was holding his press conference in a room that is not generally used by government ministers, although I, I certainly get the impression they they could use it. It's, it's not necessarily like verboten to them or anything like that. And given... And so, of course, that started a flurry of speculation, and that speculation was, I think, directionally correct, which was that he was going to resign. But given the nature of his resignation statement and how he went back to how he and the prime minister were buddy-buddy and all of that, I don't I don't think the prime minister's office said, no, you can't use the good media room. I think that's, uh, that's probably a bit of a stretch. But I th- it does speak to the weirdness of all of this and yeah. that um, – that this is quite irregular to to have a hastily called news conference and to resign. I mean, look, I mean, I'm not really leaving for any particular reason. And this is all part of an orderly plan that I've been using for months. Uh, and, in the middle of just, a pandemic? In yeah. the middle of yeah. a pandemic and just leaving with no notice. That's, that's pretty hard to swallow. <laughs> I don't think that's what's going on here. Um, but, you know, I, I think... 
that because we don't know what's going on, all of these things can be interpreted, reinterpreted, and double interpreted. And and we saw that in the lead up. Carter, we'll get into the 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 double, triple reinterpretation interpretation and reckless speculation, which we which is what got us into this mess of recording two nights in a row. But before we do that, <laughs> before we do that, tell us about what you kind of make of of you know, the prime minister and the finance minister meeting on the day of and then having a press conference, you know, some 10 hours later in, in, the, in the day to kind of say, listen, it's over, we're done. What do you think was going on between the time of that initial meeting? I mean, I, I, I want you to speculate a bit in terms of maybe with some of your experience as to what could have been going on behind the scenes after that initial meeting, because Morneau says he was not asked to resign. But there we are in a press conference some seven to 10 hours later. Well, let's start by eliminating a couple of things. I yeah, don't do think I don't think this is we related, right? Like uh, I think we said yesterday that we feels to me like it's kind of in the back mirror. It doesn't feel like it's it's a pressing issue that is putting pressure on either the prime minister or the finance minister to take any particular action. So I don't believe that they sat down today to say, okay, well, you're going to fall on your sword and we're going to get this whole we mess behind us. I think there was something foundational between the two of them. And at its most charitable, I think that the 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 way to, to read this would be saying, you know, the, the finance minister and the prime minister got together in a room to determine whether or not their differences were material. And if they are material, then the finance minister has no choice but to leave um, because he can't have a different agenda than the prime minister. Um, so if that was the case, uh, then this uh, this OECD job comes available or is, you know, is, is a reasonable um, looking plank for him to walk down. Uh, but let's be clear. It's, it's just a, it's just a, the most, you know, flimsy of excuses for him to actually leave, uh, leave the government. So I don't believe it's related to the past scandals. I think it actually has something to do with the fundamental mis- disagreement between the way the two of them view uh, the Canadian economy and how they're going to move through it. And, and also, you know, Bill Morneau, I would imagine, is a fairly proud individual. I mean, how does he feel you know, when, when he's trying to speak to the prime minister and offer his advice and yet Mark Carney's standing there in, in his, uh, his newly acquired bride's dress, uh, you know, looking, uh, look, you know, whispering in the prime minister's ear and is now the flavor du jour. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a slap, I'm sure, to a man that is not used to, uh, not being the primary advisor in the room. Yeah. And, and I want to talk about this, but Corey, before, before we jump into that, do you feel like this was we related? Do you feel like the stories being seeded over the course of the last week about the conflicts between the prime minister were effectively covered to allow for for we the actual heart of the issue some are reporting to 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 have a different access point or do you feel like Carter that this was personality and perhaps vision driven? Well, maybe he's a better actor than I give him credit for, but I think it is probably more personality and policy driven just based on where he seemed to lose control of himself during that uh, news conference that we saw earlier today, right? Uh, the we stuff he seemed to brush aside without too, too much difficulty. Oh, yeah, no, I made a mistake there, but, uh, you know, um, it, it wasn't a big deal. Now, maybe maybe it's all just a rich tapestry, right? Maybe there's components here. Maybe the prime minister's office got, I mean, it's easy to see. The prime minister could have gotten frustrated about we. That could have been compounded on frustrations he had about the finance minister's approach during this moment. And, um, 
And, you know, the prime minister does seem to want to remake the Canadian economy uh, in response to, to COVID, right? This this idea that you're going to you build everything back uh, for the 21st century, not for the 20th century. Uh, you know, the Biden build back better concept. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think that you can entirely set aside we. I obviously think that's a... That's a comorbidity here, but uh, I, I think he died of advice to the prime minister. Carter, let's talk about the speech itself, because that was what was most fascinating, at least in my mind. There was ultimately two prongs. The first one was him saying that, listen, he's proud of the work that he has done as finance minister, that they need someone for the job that can be future oriented. I was only going to run two terms. And then the second prong, which is, by the way, speaking of future-oriented, I now want to run the OECD, and I'm applying for that gig. So, <laughs> so you know, saying he can't lead the future of, of Canada, but certainly can lead the future of the OECD, I see no irony there whatsoever. But Carter, what do you, what do you make of that? Like, in terms of the message that you heard from a political strategy level, some comm strategist said, go say this, right? Even if it's true, even if it isn't, go say this. What do you think the intent was? First, let's talk about the intent, and let's then tangle uh, talk about what we should have done as an alternative. But but go ahead, Carter. Well, I mean, this seems like a variation on the uh, the old line that if they say it's about your family, it's never about the family, right? Right. The, 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 right. It, this is, I mean, you don't run a year ago, win the, win the election, and then say, oh, but I was only going to run two terms. I mean, that is something you do in the last twelve months. You give the the prime minister, the opportunity, I mean, even 18 months, right? Like if you're being particularly nice, you give the prime minister 18 months to fill your shoes, um, give the new person a little bit of time to get, you know, their feet underneath them, figure out the job. Um, but you don't go a year after getting elected. I mean, this is, this is the, a new world record. I think of people saying I was only going to do two terms. Um, like it, it's, it, it just struck me that they said, well, the family line's not going to work. Let's try the two termer. Um, or the I was only going to give two 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 terms of my life, and then to to follow it up with, you know, so essentially it's I only wanted to give two years of my life to public service, but that other public service job over there looks pretty great, and I'm not sure that these two jobs are comparable. I think that finance minister in Canada is in fact a better job, so I'm not I'm not sure this is a, uh, you know, that the, the story is going to hold up to much scrutiny. Um, you know, it just doesn't, it literally just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make yeah. sense that he would say, I was only going to give two, two, two terms. Um, and I want this other public service job over here. I mean, you were common, even, even you, Zane, were picking up on the irony. Uh, we haven't even gotten to, to Corey yet. <laughs> oh, so, thank, you so uh, much. thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> Can I, can I one day step in your chair? Probably not. Hey, Carter. Well, you know what? Make a fucking prediction, Zane. Make a prediction <laughs> and stand by it, boy. That, that, that's what's getting me. My lack of refusing to put myself out yeah. there. Uh, you know, Corey, I, I want to talk to you about the same thing in terms of what do you think the comms intent was here, right? Because they there was probably a discussion around saying, should we leave the OECD stuff out and then just surprise, surprise, you know, surprise people if you're successful at the job? By the way, he's applying. So he's a very overconfident man talking about his application <laughs> uh, uh, to the to the job uh, and saying that the prime minister will be a reference. Uh, almost signaling that, you know, the prime minister likes people like Mark Carney, who've got international finance and econ cred. So maybe I can go get this degree and come back and become a finance minister again. Uh, but, but Corey, what do you kind of make of the communications intent because i think that's really important for us to talk to uh talk about because because uh, i think that was a discussion that they must have had 
I think it's, I'm going to give a, a bit of a more charitable lens on this. I don't think it is a crazy notion that you don't want to be finance minister, but you are interested in being the secretary general of the OECD. I think that might be a better job by most metrics. It probably pays more. It, uh, it almost certainly has uh, less limelight on you. So you're able to do things like go on $41,000 trips uh, for free, right? And maybe you shouldn't be able to, but just people aren't paying attention like that. And, um, and, and that to me was not the incredulous part of the idea that you are going to go and, and, and apply for the OECD. It's, it's, it's this notion that this is why is just so absurd because this is not how you would actually approach it if that was your, I mean, talk about burning your boats. It's like, I'm an MP, I'm the finance minister, and I'm giving up all of that to campaign for the OECD. Uh, and I'm doing it right now during a global emergency. That sounds like the kind of employee you want to hire if you're the OECD. I, I mean, yeah. it doesn't really, it's strange credulity is, is putting it modestly. Like, if we were going to take at face value that he only wanted to do two terms, uh, him resigning right now would be a sign of a snap election. And by the way, then he still wouldn't resign on the spot. He just wouldn't run again, right? Uh, none of this sort of holds together. But how you get in a spot like that, if you're in a room with strategists and you're trying to determine what you're going to say and how you're going to say it, and I'm sure it's not the first moment people thought about it, right, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is there are things you don't want to say. And from there, you are kind of determining your universe of things that you can say. And, um, and unfortunately, instead of sort of picking one or two, they kind of threw the kitchen sink after it was, no, we're going to say everything's fine with Trudeau. We're great with Trudeau. It's not about policy differences. You know, that kind of tension is always normal. It's not about we, everything's fine there. It's really about... Uh, well, what can you say in that context? You can you can say that you don't want to run anymore. You can say that you're looking for different opportunities. Let's go with those, right? And um, I think they would have been better off picking one, but I can understand they they kind of belt and suspended it, and they thought let's just just do a bunch of reasons why we don't want to be here come tomorrow. Unfortunately, none of those reasons explain why you resigned on the spot. Unless yeah, the, you think the immediacy that, element of it doesn't doesn't yeah, come up. Unless, I guess, again, if I'm trying to be charitable, if you think it's inappropriate to run for the OECD job while in the job, but still, the timing is crazy. No, I mean, yeah, and I mean, I think there's a differentiation between actually wanting that job and broadcasting that you want that job as part of the statement. And and that, to my point, Carter, is is what do you make of, of Corey's analysis here of what could have happened? And perhaps I'll take it to the next step. What would you have advised, right? You've got the suite of issues in front of you. To Corey's point, you've eliminated a lot of them off the table, things you cannot say that you probably want to. Uh, how would you message in this situation? Is it a singular thread? Is it this multidimensional angle that Morneau took? What would you have done? You know, uh, can I just be absolutely insane here for a second? Wouldn't it have been interesting if he just left <laughs> you, saying... You've never asked permission, by the way. Yeah, uh, I mean, but wouldn't it, wouldn't it be interesting? And, and this goes back to some of my, you know wilder dreams that we can be more truthful in politics, you know, like, you know, telling, you know, people that they have to pay taxes, um, you know, those those types of crazy ideas about running for office. Wouldn't it have been interesting if he just stood up and said, you know what, the prime minister and I have been friends for years. We agree on uh, the, the general direction of the country, um, but we have some minor disagreements now. He needs someone who's going to stand behind him 100%. I can't do that. But... I wish, you know, I want him to be the very best. Like, I want him to succeed. And and the best way for him to succeed is to surround himself with the best possible team of people who believe 100% where he's going. I'm out of here. Like, I, 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 why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't, like, 
Or if it's the we thing, why wouldn't he throw himself on the sword? You know, if, if it is we, it's there. Just just say, you know what, I made a mistake. I've decided to pay for that mistake by uh, leaving this job that I that I treasure. Um, why wouldn't he do that? Right? Like th- th- those are two other options um, that are, that could be a more truthful uh, and b more believable. Uh, that. I don't think necessarily hurt the prime minister. I mean, if the prime minister is in charge, if the prime minister is the prime minister who is setting the course and setting the agenda for this country, why can't he say, you know what, Bill Morneau, who is a great man, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, and I have a disagreement about how we want to move forward. We have decided to part ways amicably because it is in the best interest of our country that we surround, we put at the Canadian cabinet table people who agree with the vision that I'm articulating for the 21st century for Canada. You know, Bill's stuck in a resource-based environment, whatever, you know, throw a little bit of meat on the bone. But I would have loved to have seen either a direct throw on, this is because of we and I'm I'm resigning because of it, or B, I, I... I disagree with the prime minister's vision, uh, I, you know, but he's entitled to his vision. He's entitled to take the, the country where he told Canadians he was going to take it. Corey, Let's go. What is what is your reaction to that? I don't even think you need to. I think even that is, is kind of more than he needed to do. His, his problem was not even so much his messaging. It was the actions that accompanied it. So, look, I signed up to be finance minister in very different times. The next finance minister has to be here for a while. He, you know, he hinted at the first, he outright said the second. That's not a crazy thing to say as to, to why you don't want to be finance minister anymore. It doesn't explain, again, why your resignation is effective now. And, you know, it's occurring with zero notice at 7 p.m. on a, on, you know, on a Monday night. I mean, we don't have a finance minister tonight. Uh, Toronto Centre doesn't have an MP tonight. That doesn't seem necessary if everything's fine, right? It, it's, it seems deeply unnecessary if everything's fine. And I don't know if it was Morneau who wanted it that way or the Prime Minister who wanted it that way. But I think regardless of who, they made, a, they made an error because any of the tripe they were trying to sell becomes easier to sell if he announces... At, sure, after markets close, so maybe that's part of why it's there, although it doesn't really explain the hours between five and seven, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, he, you know, he just says, I'm, you know, the, the prime minister, I've informed the prime minister of my intention to resign. I will be here for two weeks to allow him to, you know, get the, you know, like it wouldn't even have taken a lot of time, I guess is my point. It, it, any amount of time beyond imminent, uh, even if he said the prime minister is going to make a replacement tomorrow, would have seemed a lot more orderly. This did not seem orderly. And that to me is the big canary in the coal mine here. It, it is why none of this really holds together. The messaging and the actions don't jive. It's why all of those reporters, as uh, you know, this press conference was being hastily scheduled, started speculating pretty wildly as to the exact nature of the disagreement, because these are the actions of a blow up, you know, either by the prime minister or more. No, they are not calculated removal from public life, which is what they tried to sell it as. Corey, would you have would you have in this case found a rationale for the immediacy? Would you have like made that number one? Like, and and what options did he have right now? Right, like suppose he was in, either instructed or was so um, you know strong headed that he said, "I want to leave tonight. Today's the last day I want to serve in this cabinet and this administration." Uh, what would your your rationale for immediacy look like? 
What would be that glue that kind of stitches it together, perhaps? Yeah, I, I mean, the OECD thing's not even crazy as glue. You know, you could sell this lateral arabesque, but um, you, you could say, listen, I don't feel right uh, lobbying for that job while I'm in this job. That seems deeply inappropriate. We're a G7 country. Uh, you know, this is a very powerful finance position. Um, and, but... Again, you, you, a couple of days, a little bit of notice there. I, I'm not even sure we would have still bought it. We would have been kind of like, yeah, okay, sure, you know, Bill, like this is pretty, pretty convenient. But, um, but if the prime minister played his part and gave full-throated endorsement and said, Bill Morneau has has helped us through difficult financial times, and he can help the OECD, if. Um, if uh, if Morneau had played his part and said, I'm resigning because I think it's not appropriate to, to run for this job well in this job, um, it could have been smoother. But again, it would have had to require people mm-hmm. to say, not today, maybe next week, which would have made Corey Hogan's prediction 100% accurate. That, and, uh, and, and Stephen Carter. Okay. <laughs> Carter. I'm going to you on this, and let's talk about the prime minister for a second. In terms of his comm strategy today, mainly from the vantage point of what he didn't do. He didn't appear with Bill Morneau as a joint press uh, press conference. So this was Morneau on his own. Uh, he put out a statement simply. Uh, what do you kind of make of the of the prime minister's comm strategy first? And perhaps if you want to expand on that, what do you feel like, if there were any uh, recommendations, would you have provided to him with his comm strategy uh, for, for this resignation today? Well, I mean, I think that the the first thing is if this was really a mutual decision that was uh, that wasn't someone being pushed out, then yeah, I mean, show up together. And Corey tweeted that that billboard uh, from the election of the two of them standing there with their little hands and their little heart uh, configuration is gross at the beginning. It's even more gross now with the benefit of hindsight. It's it's, cre- it's creepy now. It's like it's, it's like it's a boy freak- band. I don't like yeah. it. I don't like it. Um, so anyways, it's it's not something that, you know, like stand beside the man. I mean, he, he's supposed to have been uh, one of your greatest ministers. Um, stand beside him. Uh, not standing there was bad. I mean, this looked to me by like that whatever happened this morning, Morneau took some time, wrote his release, scheduled a press conference and the and the in the uh, prime minister's office went, wait, what? And they had to respond. And the way that they responded mm. is is they took the high road. Absolutely would have recommended they take the high road. They're not going to shit on the guy. Um, you know, maybe there was some running back and forth between uh, Morneau's chief of staff and, uh, and Katie Telford um, to kind of make that work because it was just all happening so quickly. Uh, but I, I didn't, this does not feel like it was a well thought through strategy uh, to get them out. I mean, first of all, if you're going to get out of this, if this is actually a well th- thought through strategy, you'd have done it last Friday. You know, you you bury the damn thing. You put it on a Friday afternoon. It happens. Everybody's away for the summer. Everybody's out hiking and being outside. Not you two, but everybody else. Um, and and they they get to see, you know, like they don't have to see this particular sausage being made. Um, the fact that you know we're going to have a meeting on Monday, Bill, and we'll see whether or not we can make this work, and then it immediately falls outside of the prime minister's. Uh, control. It it looks that way. It looked like to me like it was 100% outside the prime minister's control. He and his team did not have control over how this happened and when this happened. Because if they did, you don't choose now. You just don't choose a Monday. Now, every day this week, there's going to be another leak about what happened. 
It's going to leak Tuesday. It's going to leak Wednesday. It's going to leak, thir- leak Thursday. And we'll have the fullness of the story by, by next weekend. Um, but it's not going to be this story. This story is not being done, is, is not the one that's written on Friday. That's another prediction I'm prepared to make. Write this one down, Hogan. Okay. This one you bring back in a week because I think that, uh, do you want, do you want to be more specific a lot more... with that prediction? That was very vague. This will not <laughs> no. be the story written on Friday. No. The, what the, the hell does that mean? Gonna... There's going to be a lot. I, I suspect that there's going to be a lot written about the meeting that occurred this morning. Right, um, right. About, the, blo- it's about like the, the blow up that occurred between these two gentlemen that are best of friends that share a common vision for the country, but couldn't come together to actually bring us out of one of the most devastating economic circumstances we've ever experienced. Corey, the PM's comm strategy, what do you make of it from what you saw slash didn't see uh, from, from the PM himself and the PMO today? So I agree with Stephen. They they obviously didn't think things were going to play out in this fashion. And, you know, one of the knocks against Bill Morneau has always been he doesn't understand politics. And this might be a great example of that. He decides he's going to walk in with a resignation letter on a Monday morning. And, and God only knows what happened between that meeting and then all of a sudden this, this news conference that happened at 7 o'clock. Who, who knows how they were planning to do all of this? Uh, maybe there was uh, Maybe there was a plan to resign more more gradually. And then he just decided based on another follow-up conversation, you know what, screw this. I'm not going to be this puppet for the next whatever or whatnot. Like all of it seems deeply irregular. Uh, To Stephen's point, I do think we're going to get the full story. I don't think we're going to have to wait very long because if I'm the prime minister's office, I'm thinking about go forward strategy now. I am, uh, I'm thinking, boy, it's the, uh, it's the DNC right now in the United States. Everybody is watching that in the United States and Canada. Um, maybe maybe we are talking to some friendly reporters. Maybe we're trying to arrange for a story that at least gives the prime minister's versions of things by Wednesday, uh, assuming there will be another angle at some point on Thursday and people will still be reading the Wednesday one and then it just gets big footed by the convention acceptance speech. Uh, you know, I, I think in this case that might be better than Friday, uh, I, just simply because we are so distracted by something major right now. But, well, and you can't control it till Friday now. Like, yeah. It's, you know, it's and, being written right now. Someone, and so someone you're better like, off. Yeah. Absolutely. So you're better off trying to get in there earlier. Actually, they may be working the phones right now, frankly. They may not even be wanting to wait. What You know, one of the things that's that's emerged out of this, at least from a narrative, and Ed, you tell me if, if it's liberal spin or not, is that Morneau was standing in the way of some of the more bold progressive ideas that Trudeau's wanted to in, uh, implement post-COVID. Is now a time for that? And I guess I'm hearing you guys say there's a channel changer necessary, perhaps. You know, you maybe lean into the story a bit from the process element, but is one of those bold policy initiatives perhaps a channel changer? Carter, I'll go to you first, and then, Corey, I know you're itching to get into. Well, I mean, the other, the only way of looking at this, the whole, the whole thing only f- holds together if there is, right? There has to be a reason why he left. Otherwise, the, you know, what is the, what's the point of it? Why did he actually leave? So, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're in the prime minister's office right now, you better find that channel changer. You better find are you, that. Are big you doing initi- it immediately? Are you doing? I don't it, know like, if I'm doing immediately? it immediately. It's mm. you know what is it? The seventeenth of of August today. Um, you know. It, Despite our growing listenership, I mean, I don't think that people are paying attention. Um, so I'd wait. I'd hold off till September and 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 do a proper uh, rollout of a big policy initiative rather than trying to rush something forward uh, just to prove that Bill Morneau didn't put one over on you. Um, who cares? He's gone. Move on. Focus on on your agenda and try and get back to a message calendar, uh, which you haven't had since. Um, well, you've never had, frankly. But. Uh, <laughs> You know, easy, Stephen. Easy. It's good to have a dream. 
<laughs> Corey, uh, let's talk about the big policy solutions that Trudeau has has rumored to want to implement. Is now the time as part of the channel change from this story to, to release one of those or drop one of those? No, absolutely not. Uh, because it is the dead of summer. And what madman uh, does such a major thing in the dead of summer? Uh, you... Um, you you said it, you know, maybe maybe Morneau was standing in the way of some of these initiatives. Maybe, but all of the reporting we have to date is that he capitulated on every single one of those. In, in and, has, and has in the past, too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Correct. And we have not gotten leaks about that. So he's been a pretty good soldier about it. You know, the leaks, the, the suggestion that Morneau has been at great odds with the prime minister on these things, that began about, oh, I don't know, a week ago, just as all of this started to heat up. So... So it's pretty tough to say that Morneau was this giant roadblock to doing all of those things. Maybe he threatened to do it going forward, but but I think certainly uh, everything, well, I shouldn't say everything, but a common theme I've heard from people who know these things is that Morneau was seen as a bit of a cabinet wet blanket. He was he was kind of the last vestige of the business wing of the liberals, the Paul Martin wing, mm-hmm, you know, the John mm-hmm. Turner wing. And um, and the, the liberals... The class of 2015, for the most part, are, are a pretty orange group, right? They, um, they may have some of the entitlement challenges of liberals of past, but they see themselves as far more socially progressive than liberals of past. And Morneau was the guy who said no or, or held back or argued the counterpoint. And I'm sure he was a bit of a downer in that context to his colleagues. So, um, so I, I guess I say, like... It, it didn't. It, it's interesting to me for a couple of reasons. One is I find it hard to believe that Morneau was actually going to be this big impediment because obviously he hadn't been to point, and it seems like the cabinet and the caucus were more with the prime minister than yeah. the finance minister. I definitely don't get the sense there was this serious threat to the prime minister's rule or this serious counter argument that the prime minister couldn't manage. But it also probably means there won't be a ton of disunity as a result of this, right? If if the cabinet and the caucus were generally not real keen with Bill Morneau's approach to governing. Carter, tie this back to we for me in the sense that we know the ethics investigation is going to come out. Morneau's probably going to be named. Trudeau's more than likely going to be given that slap on the wrist. So there is another new cycle of we to come. Um, is the Morneau resignation today, does Trudeau have the ability to tie that as a, as the head that rolled for we and and say this is this is what was done like we can move on or does he still have a a, a opening that the that the conservatives and the NDP can still keep prodding at with the we scandal going forward I guess simply I'm trying to ask with today's events has Trudeau put we behind him No I mean I think that if anything it's it's made it more difficult for him um, you know, the, the call isn't going to be just, well, we got one head, now we're going to let it go. Um, momentum. Now they, they've, they've got uh, Morneau's head, now they start crying for Katie Telford, and they start crying for the, the Prime Minister himself. If Bill had to go, why don't you, sir? Um, and that is the the argument that will be made. And and then when, when the report from the Ethics Commissioner does come out, and it does name, as you've suggested, as you've implied, Morneau and Trudeau, um, I think that they're in real trouble. You know, Trudeau is the last man standing. He's the only one left who can who can who can face this particular music. Um, so it's going to be hard for him to just kind of wipe it away unless he's not named, unless he's able to get out of it in some fashion. Uh, so this, I mean, Morneau has actually probably screwed the prime minister more than we think now because uh, he knows more than we do. He may have factored this into the decision to just say, I know what you're going to do. You're going to pin this on me anyways. So I'm the fuck out of here. And uh, let me know how it works out for you there. 
So maybe that's what's happening. I, I mean, we we don't know enough about the the Wee scandal to uh, and the ethics investigation to uh, to speculate entirely. But if that is the case, <laughs> oh, Bill, you wily old dog. That's that's yeah, some more clever, politically savvy, more politically some, savvy than anyone has ever. Yeah, given that's credit some, for. <laughs> fuck your buddy right up there. That's some great stuff. I like it. Corey, oh, okay, you would be a fan, Carter. Corey, what do you, what do you think of this? What is what does this mean for Trudeau and and we? Do, to Carter's point, does it perhaps make it worse? Does it perhaps dampen the story going forward because the head has rolled? Uh, what do you think? I, I mean, it's useful in the scenario where the ethics commissioner only names Morneau or says Morneau was the only one who truly uh, violated ethics rules because then he can say he's not here. That's it. What, what more do you want me to say about this? He's he's off at the OECD apparently. Yeah, he's fine. He's got a new gig. Yep. No, I, that's that's the narrow band by which he he gets a pass on this. But uh, if the ethics commissioner comes back and, and otherwise says this is a serious problem and it's an equally serious problem for Mr. Trudeau and Morneau and Morneau's not there anymore, he doesn't get to throw him under the bus already. He's already been taken in the morgue to the cemetery and buried. It's over, right? Uh, and so people are going to be looking for somebody else to throw. And that is unfortunate uh, if you're in the PMO. Um, but... We don't know. I mean, this that is that's quite speculative. We don't know what's going to happen between now and then. We don't know what the ethics commissioner report is going to say. And um, and it is possible that just based on the letter of the law, Morneau's violation was more serious than the prime minister's. Although I think, as we've discussed on this pod, the prime minister's was more serious, in my opinion. Carter, you know, w- let's let's move away from reckless speculation for a second. Tell me when Trudeau, if you're advising him right now, should announce his new finance minister. Um, that's a good question. I mean, it, it, I think it all depends on whether or not it is going to be Carney. Um, th- th- there's speculation. I think all reporting thus far has has denied the fact that Carney will be. I think a lot of senior officials today have reported to to media that it's not Carney. But okay, keep going with your train of thought. Yeah, Go no. But it, so if it's not Carney, then it, then it's a lot easier. I mean, you 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 take your time. You do it probably ten days, maybe eight days. Um, if you really want to get out of the cycle here, if it's starting to hurt you, maybe you can do it as early as Wednesday. Um, you don't want to appear like you're rushing to it too quickly. You need to take, I think, a couple of nights to, to sleep on it, talk to a few people, see who, who'd be best uh, for it. There's an opportunity to appoint uh, Canada's, I mean, I, I guess technically um, the Associate Minister of Finance is now the Minister of Finance. So technically we have our first um, female Minister of Finance, I, I, I'm guessing. Um these technicalities, I mean, if she hasn't been sworn in, I'm not sure exactly how that works. But, um, you know, there's an opportunity for some groundbreaking moves that will help get you out of this with a new media cycle. Um, so putting in someone who, uh, you know, the first woman who's a minister of finance gets you a news cycle and getting you a positive news cycle might be enough for the minister or for the prime minister right now. But I'm thinking earliest Wednesday, latest next Wednesday. Uh, would be probably the range that I'd put on it. Corey, what do you think? When when should Trudeau be naming his next finance minister? Well, that really depends on how much work they've already done and whether they were preparing for a cabinet shuffle, because let's not forget what the catalyst events here were. The suggestion that Morneau may be shuffled out by the prime minister into a different portfolio is pretty high on everybody's speculation list. So if that was potentially what was underway. And if that is what triggered Morneau to hand in his resignation, uh, you know, because, you know, there's two ways you can read substantive policy differences. One is the prime minister said, I, I don't want you in this position anymore. And the other is Morneau says, I, I will not do this for you anymore. But if it was the, I don't want you in this position anymore and a cabinet shuffle was underway, 
do tomorrow, right? Uh, you know, announce a cabinet with every position filled except for the Minister of Canadian Heritage and everybody will connect the dots, right? And we'll look to fill the Minister of Canadian Heritage at a future date uh, because then it becomes really clear what the actual story was without the Prime Minister uh, coming out and saying what the actual story was. And, and that could be part of a media strategy as well as to what actually happened. But again, I mean, this is... In some ways, this is the more reckless speculation because it is so dependent on how prepared everybody was and what things were. If they are not ready, if they were fully intending for Morneau to be the finance minister and the cabinet to be the same today, tomorrow, next mm-hmm. week, Stephen's right. They shouldn't rush it. It would be a big mistake to kind of panic and give somebody that job and deal with all of the cascading challenges that come from that. Um it would be a big mistake. You would be living with that for a long, long time. And you're better to take a beat and figure out what the hell you're going to do. Corey, clarify for me for a second. What did you mean by the Minister of Heritage thing that you're just mentioning? I, I missed the thread of what you were trying to allude to. Oh, Stephen got it. I saw it. On a, if you announce I didn't. a cabinet with one hole in it, the assumption will be that hole was the hole that Bill Morneau was going to fill. So if there's a position that's more junior on the list, and I, I you know, with, with all apologies to, uh, you know, I don't even know who the Minister of Canadian Heritage is right now. Stephen Stephen uh, Gilbo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Uh, that is not considered one of those big shiny portfolios. And if it's vacant there, then it becomes like, oh, I get it. Morneau was going to be that minister, and now that minister is not available. Yeah. Right. Right. Interesting. Okay, Carter, finish us off on 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 Trudeau before I move it on quickly to uh, the Conservatives drawing blood today, or so does so they will say. Well, I just think that he he. Uh, this isn't a great spot. I mean, he's lost now. Like, if you think, go back to the SNC Lavalin piece when he lost uh, Gerald Butts, uh, and now he's lost uh, Morneau. He's gone through two big scandals that he's trying, or he's he's not quite through we yet, but uh, I, I'm saying it's mostly in the rearview mirror. But uh, Corey makes a good point that, you know, with the Ethics Commissioner report, it could come roaring back uh, to right in front of the, the headlights. Um, the, the, the challenge that, he has is he's he's he hasn't gotten any benefit out of these losses, you know. When Jerry left, I mean, he didn't take any of the SNC Lavinley problem with him at all. He just left, you know. Like it was so poorly staged the exit that that none of the potential benefit of having a senior staffer fall on his sword uh, was accrued by the prime minister's office. Yeah, and sure. now he's lost the minister of finance, uh, arguably one of the top two or three people in the government. And again, he has, he has accrued no benefit, uh, for the giant scandal. that's still, uh, standing in front, standing in front of him. So, you know, this comes back to me. Uh, I don't think this government has been particular, this particular prime minister's office has been good at crisis management. I may have said that a few times. Um, they still need, you know, they, they could maybe call up Matt Wolf and see if he's available because a good issues manager um, to manage these types of crises. Well, a good issues manager. And I said, Matt, that's wrong. Anyways, um, uh, what is what is with you, my man? What is, it doesn't what, matter. Go on. Anyways, you know, someone who could who could manage the uh, these things and think them through a little bit more strategically, uh, I think would would be a big help. I think the government is very much focused on policies and the and helping Canadians, and that's great. They should do that, but. Politics is politics. Never forget the primary game. 
Uh, it's now time to bring on our first guest, uh, and our first guest is Matt Wolf. No, I'm joking. No, I'm <laughs> I just brought Matt Wolf onto this podcast. I'm sure he'd be a very pleasant individual. Uh, better than his Twitter persona, I'm sure. Uh, just to just to nag on even more, Corey. Same same thing for you. Same question headed your way. What do you what do you kind of think in just in the sense of uh, going forward? Like I, I, I don't, I, you know, they're they're at a weird moment. They should take the week to regroup. They should not let this get them off their big game. Obviously, if the prime minister's got large plans, um, he should, he should implement them. And again, this is the speculation. We don't know what triggered it, but uh, look, we've got a three hundred and forty-three billion dollar deficit. It is really tough for me to imagine that Morneau's line in the sand, the principle that he would not give away, was putting a couple billion dollars towards green programs, like. If there is a substantive policy difference here, it's got to be huge. It's got to be kind of remaking the Canadian economy kind of huge. And um, and I can't imagine what that is if it's not a, a basic income, right? Yeah. I, yeah so Cor- there's my reckless speculation here. Really? Corey, Corey, oh. Yeah. Uh, Corey, back to you on this because I want to get your thoughts first. Conservatives, you said last episode that they show success by drawing blood. Well, today, did they draw blood? And can they connect this to their questioning on ethics and finance committee their level of interrogation etc 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 tell me right now how the conservatives should be positioning what happened today their news release was exactly what you would expect they said hey he went down actually it was a little funny because it started with what a great man bill morneau is uh but now they're all you know they're all corrupt and the prime minister should resign was basically the the tone by the end of it but um yeah of course they're gonna claim victory quote-unquote victory, and I think that it's reasonable that they do. Um, People have been saying for weeks that Bill Morneau looked like if somebody was going to go down for this, he was one of the most likely candidates, and he's gone. And yeah, there are there are a couple of other events in there that intervene, but they're pretty convenient, right? And, And certainly, I think it's hard to look at them in a vacuum and say that this wasn't, as I said earlier in this episode, part of the prime minister's frustrations with Bill Morneau. Right. Yeah, because when you think about a finance minister and you think about that, um, that necessary vigorous debate is how he put it in his news conference today. Right. That's how Bill yep. Morneau said yep. it was um, when you think about that necessary vigorous debate. If you're the prime minister and you are and you see value in that, you're willing to entertain that. Um, you may lose enthusiasm if they show themselves to be a political knave. Right. And, and they make mistakes like the the uh, we scandal, uh, you know, and forty one thousand dollar checks and whatnot. And so the the cost benefit analysis starts to break. And um, if you're feeling frustrated and you are also seeing them as a political liability because of their judgment, that's obviously going to make it easier for you to make a big change if you're the prime minister. So I, I think it's all tied together. It's part and parcel. And I think that the conservatives, um did draw blood here. It was it was a longer term thing. It took a couple of months, but there's no question in my mind. Like I said, that this was a this was a comorbidity. This is part of the reason why Bill Morneau is not here today. Mm-hmm. Was it mm-hmm. the reason? Maybe not, but it uh, it certainly made his death by policy more likely. They should celebrate this death by policy. Pretty good. Uh, they should celebrate it as such. Carter, what are you doing next? So I, I, I think we agree with Corey's assessment that the Conservatives put out the right release today, have the right messaging, kind of holding this trophy, celebrating their victory. What do they do going forward, right? You know there's going to be this week long of a drip campaign, so to speak, of what the process story actually was. How are you, if you were in the position to advise them, telling them to take maximum advantage from a political strategy perspective this week and going forward on this story? 
Well, I think that it's going to be interesting following the drips. I mean, I think that, you know, being able to stand up and say that, uh, you know, the prime minister can't tolerate any dissension. The prime minister, you know, is a weak leader who can't keep his team close to him. Those are all going to be uh, lines of attack this week. Um, but the big attack is still going to come, you know, if if there is a we price to be paid, because um, I think that Morneau has successfully avoided being the guy who 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 has to deal with the we the we fallout, so the we scandal. Um, so that's probably the big the big prize. Uh, I, I suspect that the conservatives won't lose their you know they'll keep their eye on it, and uh, it's looking like it's going to time out pretty well for their new leader to to jump on that particular scandal next week. So this week, I would focus if I was mm. the conservatives uh, just on you know. Trudeau's weakness as leader, unable to keep people around, can't tolerate dissent. And then, you know, once the new leader's in place, then you start going after we again in a, uh, a more uh, focused manner. It would be my recommendation. You know, a new leader's going to be selected on Sunday. Are you making this a cornerstone of your speech if you're McKay or O'Toole? No, I don't think you want to have that... Um I don't think you want to have it be that timely. I think you want to. I think you want to talk about the vision for Canada, um, and put forward a actual, you know, put forward your manifesto. Probably the wrong word for the Conservatives, but put forward your um, your case for governing. What it is that you're going to be as the government uh, should uh, you get the opportunity in an election, whether it's this fall. Um, or, you know, the spring or the fall or the spring or the fall, whenever we get an election, we're, we, this is what we're going to stand for. This is what I, the, the, the Conservative Party under my leadership is going to look like. That's what I would prefer to see them say. I wasn't planning on doing this, but might as well. Let's move it on to our final segment, our over, under, and our lightning round. Corey, Stephen, are you ready? Oh, so ready. Carter, I'm going to you first. Over, under, on seven. What did you make of Bill Morneau's speech today? I... You know, I or liked his it. resignation t- speech. I should. I liked it in the moment. In the moment, you know, he he comes across. I like Bill Morneau. He comes across as someone that is that isn't fake. That is that is legitimate in the moment. And I thought that he was was legitimate in the moment of giving that speech. He he said words that I think he believed. Um, so in the moment, I was I was digging. It. I was like, this is good. I really like this. And then you spend. Four seconds thinking about it, and it just falls apart at the seams. So if it is possible, I will b- give it both a fail and a pass on your grading scale. So, uh, of course, that is exactly what I is, was asking. <laughs> it is it is both a fail and a pass. This is this is the new Stephen Carter just hedging on everything. Corey, what do you think over under on seven? Well, I'm I'm going to pick up that ball and run a little bit further with it. I give him a... A fail on strategy and a pass on tactics. He He's a very good speaker. He comes off as warm and genuine. He does all of the things that we train people to do in communications about bridging back to the thing you want to talk about. Flag. I lost track of how many times he said, but what's important to keep in mind here or what really matters? I mean, it was textbook. And I mean that... Um, positively not negatively he was he was applying all of those tools of the trade and i think that the media didn't quite know what to do the first few rounds of questioning it took them a few before they actually managed to get any kind of uh, dent in him so uh like he he's good um uh, he might not be politically savvy but he's communications adroit and um and you got to give him credit for that however as steven said when you stopped and actually thought about what he was saying, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It like none of this story holds together. The, like I said, the actions do not align with the words and that, that foundationally is going to sink you. 
it is going to sink you. There is no reporter who, after leaving that, didn't think 30 minutes later, even if they were writing the story and saying, wait a minute, this is all nonsense. You know, he's he's leaving yeah. for the OECD effective immediately. Like, that, that's crazy. So, so yeah, pass, fail. Uh, fail on strategy, pass on tactics. Corey, back to you on this. When does Trudeau appoint his new finance minister? Oh, we're predicting again, are we? Oh, there's a uh, lot of prediction coming. Look, like I said, it really depends on whether what the catalyst was here. If he was planning a cabinet shuffle already, he will do it imminently. Yeah, there will be either you know three or four moves or a full cabinet shuffle within within a week and a half. Uh, but uh, if if this was a bit of a shock, I think it's going to be next week at the earliest. Corey tries to memorialize his answers with context. That doesn't work on the show. Carter, what do you think? <laughs> this Wednesday to next Wednesday. I already said it. Sticking to it. It's going to happen. Carter, back back to you. Who will it be? Who will it be? Oh, good Who will God. be the new finance minister? Um, While you're thinking, Corey, who will it be? Gosh. Uh, well, I'm going to be thinking, too. I, I don't know. That's a tough one. There, there's not necessarily anybody who I think is both obvious and you could spare them from what they are currently doing. And I, I think that's the challenge. You know, it'd be fun just to say, just to, to watch Albertans heads pop right off their fucking shoulders. Uh, Catherine McKenna, just to see the Albertans heads pop off their shoulders. It's just, that'd be so much fun. Well, I, th- I think that that would be interesting, but, uh, you're going to say not, not the reason wise. you're to appoint a, 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 a finance minister. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to throw a dart at the wall and say Pablo Rodriguez. I don't have a clue. No. Okay, that's good. That's good. That, that, went, that went exactly how I wanted it to. Final question, much easier. <laughs> Let's see, just be who you are. And Corey, I'm going to you first. Does Bill Morneau become the new OECD Secretary General? No, that was a position held by a Canadian pretty recently. They're not going to give it back to a Canadian right away. This, th- it's another reason why none of this story makes sense. <laughs> Carter? Absolutely not. Take it to the <laughs> bank. <laughs> that's okay. what i'm looking for <laughs> that's where the podcast gold is made from and we'll leave it there that's a wrap on episode 817 of the strategist my name is zane Veldry. with me as always Corey hogan stephen carter and we'll see you next time